Hey guys, and we're back with Designing Digital Excellence. I'm Vasily, and today we've got a very, very special guest, good friend of mine, Mike Sesniak. He's the CEO of running high-performance coaching uh, consulting for a podcast and business called The Results Engine. You should really check it out. And I'm super, super happy to have him today because I've seen his journey from the start. We're great friends uh, here in, uh, in Armonk, New York. And we, we've always spoke about entrepreneurship as a way to fuel growth and fuel your business. And I love his journey um, because he talks about key areas of opportunities for you to take your sales process and reach really high achieving goals. Mike, thank you again. I'm super happy to, happy to have you today. Yeah, Vasily, thanks for having me, bro. I'm excited for this. So um, today we're going to kind of talk about a few different topics. Um, yeah. But the first thing that I'd love to ask you uh, talking about your journey is you could tell us a little bit about the story of how you got where you are today um, as a, as a high performance coach, uh, as a CEO and entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll try and truncate it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've seen it from the start dating back to like days in the gym and, and all of that sort of stuff. But um, my whole life revolved around where I could play soccer in college, which is number one. Then I kind of dumb lucked my way into engineering um, from a conversation that a guidance counselor had, he's like, you're good at math and sciences, check it out. And at that point, all I wanted to do, my whole life goal was make a lot of money, retire young and open a pit bull rescue foundation. That was like all I cared about. So my question to him was obviously like, do they make a lot of money? And he said, yeah. So, you know, I, I ended up getting recruited by a big engineering school in upstate New York. And uh, after school, I went straight down to Wall Street, started writing code for a living. And I used software engineering as a vehicle to fund all of my business ventures, right? Um, I was always like trying to create, like trying to build something, literally dating back to, I'm looking around my desk to see if I have it for the, to show you, but like fifth grade, I built a duct tape wallet company called Says Wallets, right? So like, there was always this thing that I, I just wanted to be more, do more, have more, like create. And um, fast forward, high performance coaching and consulting was the third company I started. It was kind of a product of all the experience from the first two, where I was just very blessed to surround myself with amazing people, learn from some super successful people. And you pair that with some experiences that I personally had on the journey with, um, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, all of that sort of stuff, like thriving in my corporate career, but behind closed doors, things weren't sunshine and rainbows and having to go through that and experience that and learn from that, you pair all of this together and it led to the coaching and the consulting in a weird way, uh, which I'm happy to dive into deeper if you think it's valuable for your audience. But that, I mean, again, the, the company started as a side hustle right? It, I built it as a side hustle for a year and a half while I was a senior engineer in the financial district, working for a global luxury retailer, like engineering order processing systems. And not like, not like the, like the cool, like look and feel of websites, like the boring code, the ones and zeros, right? Like inventory management and all of that sort of stuff. And um, again, I just used that to just pump all of that money back into myself and my business. The only savings I had was a 401k which I maxed out, frankly, only did that because my mom was the accountant in the family and I just didn't want to deal with the conversation. So I'm like, sure, whatever. Like if I don't see the money, I don't, I won't, you know, I won't know about it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that's how we are. We took that business full time two and a half years ago. And so we're about four, four and a half years in almost at this point. And, um, 
primarily serving the door-to-door sales space, helping sales pros make more money, not from sales and closing strategies, but purely from a high performance and personal performance perspective. And it seems to be super well-received in the industry. We've worked with people in other industries as well, but that's who we're serving most right now. And it's been a blast, dude. Yeah. So I, I'd love to dive into to some of that. So yeah. at, at a high level, right, I, I get, I think there's paradigms between what you do day to day and the type of strategy and fragmentation we've seen mainly in the automotive space. Okay. And so a lot of the, the questions we get is how to translate and design a methodology for dealerships to translate their experience, their messaging, their brand at that local level, at, 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 at a tier three level, as we say in the automotive space, and, and translating that through their brand with their people. And you have really the, I see you as the leader in this space for translating messaging, sales, the process with a key, key core areas. And I know this because you've mentioned it to me, but you have three core areas that I'd love for you to dive in on. And it's clarity, energy, and productivity. Mm-hmm. And so for, for our audience, when they're thinking about how do they package to their teams to drive some of these core areas, what would be some recommendations or ways that, you know, a dealer principal could enable their team to drive these key areas? Yeah. yeah well, first of all, I appreciate the kind words. That's, uh, that was, that was cool to hear in your head. You're always just like, ah, I don't think so, but, um, I'm going to leave that self-talk out of here. That's a different conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> I think so when we're talking about building culture or like working with our teams or or whatever it may be at the end of the day, we have to realize that we're selfish human beings. And I think the biggest thing, and this might be a little more generic. So feel free to dig into this. If this isn't where you, you were anticipating it going, but um, it always comes down to like, what, what can we do for our people? Right. And I think this is especially important when it comes to sales there's this myth right now that like people aren't spending money because of the pandemic. And I'll tell you, it's a lie, right? We have like, we work in the door-to-door sales space and I just spoke at an event earlier this year and almost every single company there had grown from last year and had their best financial year ever. Now, part of that might be because people are home to answer the door, right? Or part of it might be because they're in solar energy and like green energy is a big initiative right now, regardless of what political aisle you fall on. Right. But I think all of it points to the fact that people are still spending money. And if we allow these like falsehoods to drive our decision-making, well, we're not, we're not going to execute. We're going to fall down and we're going to lower our standards, which is not what we're trying to do. Right now, how this relates to what I'm talking about here is, as a result of everything I just said, if you're if you have good sales talent and you're not taking care of them, they will go find another vehicle where they can make more money. Right. We have clients making Absolutely. 30, 50000 dollars a month in their early 20s, if not late teens, knocking doors, selling various things. Right. So all of this illustrates, regardless of what industry we're in, again, I'm specifically talking about sales or anything performance-based right now. We need to take care of our people. So to bring it back to the original question, where my mind immediately goes, and I don't know a ton about the automotive industry, but I do know sales, where my mind immediately goes is how can we 
make it more about our people, make sure that they feel heard, make sure that they feel like the company cares about us. Because when I was leaving corporate, yeah, I always planned on leaving to bring my business full time. But one of the main reasons that I had to get out and I was completely freaking miserable is because I felt out of integrity with the way the company was going. Right. Totally related so to that. We need to feel as, as employees, people want to feel part of a team. They want to feel heard. They want to know that the company has their best interest and they're not just working to get the founder another freaking supercar right? Like they're working to build something amazing and they know they'll be compensated as such. So how that looks in the automotive industry probably looks different than it does in like door to door where people are like very yeah. incentive trip driven or like Breitling watch driven or like whatever it is. But that's the underlying theme that I think is so important. And it, it's not about like the incentive. It's about making people feel like they belong and that they're being taken care of. So take that for what it's worth, but like that's where no, my that's, mind immediately goes. That's huge. I think you hit the nail on the head. And there's actually um, so many similarities between what you're saying and the automotive space. And I constantly hear this idea of how do you better build brand promise for a business and like your val almost AKA your value proposition. Hmm. And when you know, dealer principals and GMs in this space are thinking through that. I think it's actually a really difficult task because, and, and, and when we talk about people even more so because they're trying to package or create a way to help lead their team to a larger mission. And I don't think they're doing it deliberately. They're doing it accidentally because of some of the pressures that they have from the OEM to incentivize the products they're selling, you know, like two ninety nine off, you know, a, a Honda Civic, you know, Ford Le uh, or or a Ford F one fifty lease or whatever it may be, you know, out there in the market, and you see all these ads all over, and they're all based on price, and none of it's based on people, mission, and purpose. And I think that when you talk about that process, those are the the things that I start to think of, and in putting it in the lens of now, how do we design? a strategy around that, right? For any business principle, it doesn't have to be automotive, but I think it's, it's, it's related to this topic of how do you structure a process to make it about your people? And do you have like tactics today that you're teaching or educating that are going to give someone like the, the best practice or the roadmap to do this successfully and make it about their people? Yeah. So, well, the, the first, like the easiest piece is <clears throat> making sure that they have access to the resources they need to be successful. Right now that could look like working with a company like ours that becomes difficult, right? Because like, there's the whole skin in the game piece when people pay, they pay attention. So like you can gift tuition to programs and like licenses to software all day, but are they gonna use it, right? How do you incentivize it? And that becomes a bigger conversation. But outside, like that's the first thing is one, making sure they have the resources. Cause that's, it's like a gift almost, right? It's like, you're making people feel heard. But two, I think on top of that is they need to have like a trajectory. There has to be a path that they can take this information, go execute on it, experience the growth. And that becomes a bigger conversation as well, right? Like, does the leadership have the bandwidth to support them? Like, 
as an engineer, my brain always goes to like, how can I go and break something? So I understand how to fix it. Right. Every coach I've ever hired in my business, I've told them straight up, Hey, I'm hiring you for the blueprint and the understanding that when I go and break a bunch of shit, I know that you have my back when I come to be like, how do I fix this? Right. So that's another piece as well is, is having that, that mentorship or that leadership to be able to support. And then I guess the third piece, and because obviously people are working to earn an income is just making sure that that, that career trajectory is possible. Again, it always comes back, not possible, but is put in place where they can win. Right. It's, it blows my mind how often I see, and this isn't just the industries we're serving. This happens everywhere, but they're always like a couple of bad apples that just aren't treating their reps. Right. Right. And uh, whether their pay is getting skimped or the sales timeline is just way too bloated. So the guys aren't catching their checks yet or whatever it may be, the better that can be. And the, the more streamlined that is again, the, the people are going to feel like you care, right? Our people are going to feel like we care. And um, it always is just, it's coming back to this bigger concept of making sure that they feel like they're just not a cog in the machine that is getting overlooked. Right. So um, I kind of missed the original question, but like, yeah, no, I think there. I think you're, you're answering it in a level of detail that, you know, when I think about process and tactics, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you're talking about some of those pain points and they're to a business owner, they may be small yeah. or they may be something that they didn't have the level of empathy to consider. Right. And but from yeah. the from the people side, from the actual people, the resources who are operating and holding that brand to their chest dear every day, they almost hold it to a higher standard sometimes on a day to day basis than some of their their management. And yeah. so it's like, how do you now how do you now set up a way so that everybody sits at the same table and is talking about the same pain points and they can both listen and and develop and problem solve. That's yeah. why I thought, you know, I know we, we talk about Clubhouse, man. I think Clubhouse is such a phenomenal platform for, you know, democratizing the way we think about business and taking all those levels of politics that exist in different industries and packaging it uh, in a way that uh, I, I think is going to be profound. People are going to find new careers on this application. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen, you know, similar insights? You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on you know, transitioning to Clubhouse and how it's helped, you know, your business in any way? Yeah, I, I went really hard on Clubhouse when I first heard about it, maybe like, I don't know when this is going to go out, but at the time that we're recording this, actually, right at the beginning of the year, because I remember a good buddy of mine is, is big on Clubhouse. And I literally I message him right away. I'm like, hey, put me on your calendar, send me an invoice, like, let's dive into this because I wanted his help from a consulting perspective. And I remember it was literally the first payment we had received in the new year. It was like on the first, I think, of the year. And almost all of it went right back out the, out the door. Like money is just a revolving door. Uh, we went super hard and I don't know, like spent a couple hours on the app each day. And it was crazy to just experience the growth after that we were really like 
to be honest, we were on a hockey stick growth curve at that point. And I was just like, this isn't, this isn't worth my time right now. Right. So we're start, I'm starting to try and figure out like how I can spend more time there because it is in many ways, a virtual land grab for people who can add value. Um, we're essentially earning digital real estate by providing value to the marketplace. And there's some cool stuff. Um, but what's interesting to me about that app, and maybe you've seen the same, like I started to see the same rooms over and over again. And now as the audience is growing, as it's evolving, I'm starting to see a lot more like niche pieces in the, in the hallway, I guess it's called. Um, but it's cool, man. Like I, I know people who have done tens of thousands of dollars in additional revenue from this app, grown thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram because it's so seamlessly integrated. So it's really interesting seeing the people that are dominating. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't it's, know. I, it's interesting. I, I feel like it's a cult for some of these influencers who have. For sure. That's up. where my mind was going. I just didn't want to use words like that. I, know. I, think it, I think it's fair. Like all of these big rooms, it's the same mods in every single room. It's like you have to make your way into this circle of people who just like everyone brings each other up they mod each other and they're all just growing like wildfire um but it's interesting i'm also very curious to see like the not pushback but like the feedback from the market on it um when people are posting on other platforms because it's really easy to just shit on people and say that it's like the more <laughs> of like the false guru stuff um because it, it dude it's very clear who has no idea what they're talking about yeah <laughs> on, it's obvious it's obvious um it's just a bunch of regurgitated stuff or like also what i'm seeing is a lot of people are giving like insanely specific advice without having any context of where someone's business is at um you see that in a lot of like the bigger business rooms and people are like this is the way to go it's like there are a lot of business models that work it's just, are you willing to put in the work to make it work, right? Versus like hopping from one thing to another. But yeah, I don't know. It's a super interesting platform. I'm really curious to see how it evolves and how it scales because it's not something that you can, you can't outsource it, right? And I think we're past the point where you're just going to grow from being on stage, right? You have to actually say stuff to get on stage, which means it has to be you. You can't outsource that to a VA, you can't have your team member manage an account, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. At least in my opinion, I do that as well. We have team members that operate our DMs on various platforms and they do it out of integrity. They say who it is. So people don't think they're talking to me and then find out it's not me. Um, and everyone has their own opinions on that, but like, we can't do that on clubhouse. Right. So how, how can you operate an eight or a nine figure business and spend three hours a day on an app? I don't, I don't know how it scales. I'm curious to find out though, but the availability of information is wild. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a phenomenal point. I think about that sometimes too. And, and lately uh, I think there's, there's been definitely, I think you hit the nail on the head. There are more rooms in the hallway that have had more niche kind of flares and they, they mm -hmm. dive deep in certain areas. And I keep getting told feedback wise from other industry experts uh, in, in my space about how the smaller rooms are actually sometimes more valuable because 
you're able to have a more intimate conversation. The audience isn't really there, but the quality of audience may, may be that much better. So yeah. you're getting, you're getting people really serious players, more like C-suite exec, you know, people in the room who have proven themselves out and now they're interested, you know, they see the same opportunity. They're like, now I'm interested in gaining a little bit of an audience. And I've never been big. Like, I just want to preface. I've never been big on social media ever. I, I, you know, I didn't want to put the time in and, and everything else, but now I've, I've kind of dove into clubhouse and it's, it's brought such a unique community in my space that I love it. Like, I think even though, and I'm not, and I truly get on there, not for the followers, but to have a voice. And that I think is such a powerful thing for individuals who may be in a similar place who are looking for resources to go out there, get on these digital platforms to learn and, 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 and really participate in a larger conversation. And so yeah. I know I brought it full circle. <laughs> I know well, I think that that's like, that's an important piece of information right there, dude. And here's, here's the thing, like, at the end of the day, I, I was mapping out what solo episodes I'm going to create for because our show, we do two interviews a week and then a solo episode. It's like action based, like tactical. And one of them was essentially, and Gary V kind of like made this quote super viral, but like ideas are shit. <laughs> they, yeah. they don't matter, right? It comes down to execution. And my, my fear, I guess, maybe not a fear, but my concern is that this is just be going to become another time suck where people consume information. It's like the personal development trap, right? Like people need another seminar or they need another book or they need another course to go through and they don't do a damn thing with any of it, right? right. I was that person for a long time. And because of the readily available information that you can get from nine figure entrepreneurs on Clubhouse, like that's cool, but are you going to do anything with it? Like it's going to just continue to expose people in the sense of like, you can be as well-read as the next person, but if you want to build a business, you're not going to do that by reading a book, like go build it, break it, find a book that will teach you how to fix it and then fix it. Right. Like you have to do something with it. So that's the, um, that's the one thing that I would, I would kind of just add on there as a caveat is like, not a, con maybe a concern, there's a lot of information readily available. A lot of it you could find elsewhere. They're just repackaging it again, making it easier to consume. But none of it matters unless you do something with it. I love that. Yeah, and 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 I was gonna I was gonna bring it back to to kind of my automotive peeps in the space who I think as a whole the industry has been it's it's a fragmented industry from both the technology side, a process oriented side, a resourcing component, and what you said right there is the key is like, we can talk about it all day and we love to talk. We love to talk about all the problems in the space and then do nothing about it. And it's like, well, why are we talking about it? Wasting our time if we're not gonna come up with actionable items that we're gonna operationalize against. And I love using that word, that word because if we can just be more tactical and execute, even if it's a small piece to the larger picture, yeah. And I know you're, you're all about data driven and, and have a ton of data level knowledge and, and, and you, you see this mathematically, but the incrementality of the growth putting in, you know, 
time after time, that consistency is going to make change. Yeah, dude. Yes. So a couple things. One, to bring this back to your first question of the three major high performance pillars. Number one is clarity. It's the cornerstone habit. We have to have clarity, but clarity doesn't, it makes it easier for us to make the decision to execute because we know what we're looking at. Maybe that's, we have the data or we have the experience with another form of data, right? But we know what we should be doing. It makes it a little easier to make the decision, but we still have to decide to act, right? So it's so important. Um, that's where things like the five second rule come in. Right. I don't know if people have read that from Mel Robbins, such a good book. Obviously, like I'm a very data driven individual, like you mentioned, coming from a nerdy like engineering background. Right. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. And in this coaching world, it's kind of like it's a seemingly woo woo world at times. So we take a very pragmatic approach, but like it, it always comes down to deciding to act. Five second rule to finish that loop before I just go off on another tangent. Five second rule is the most effective and simplest thing that I've ever found with respect to execution and being backed by science. Um, but the other thing that you mentioned is having like a structured like action plan. That's the number one thing that we build with all of our clients and everyone needs to have that because we need, again, it's all around getting data, no matter what we're doing right? Cool. If you're knocking doors, awesome. How many doors are you knocking? How many people are you talking to? How many appointments are you setting? How many of those deals are closing? How many of those like deals that you close get canceled versus like solar panels on the roof, for example, there are a lot of different steps and we need to have that data. But before we even get there, we have to take the action that leads to the data. So like people obviously like they're probably not knocking doors if they're listening to this, they're probably in the automotive industry, but zoom out from it and look at it like, okay, what would this look like for me? Now for the action plan perspective, we need to have concrete action items and there needs to be quantifiable execution levels, right? So for us, it would be knocking doors, maybe like uh, minutes spent on sharpening the ax, so to speak, industry specific trainings, right? On the personal side of it, maybe it's number of pages read, number of minutes meditated, workouts per week. Hell, I have clients quantifying time spent by themselves to unplug, right? Calling friends yeah. and family, like all of these different things and we quantify it and they become mandatory minimums. Not nice to have, it would be cute if I got them done, but like, no, if I didn't do it, the day's not over. All of that just yields the data that we're looking for. And that's, that's what huge. we can make decisions based on. It's not just about sales. That's about life, right? High performance is not just about making a boatload of money at the expense of our health and well-being or our relationships or anything like that. Like the running joke when maybe, maybe you'd heard this, like, I don't know if your folks made these jokes, but my dad was always like, by the time you could afford to drive, could afford the nice car, you can't fit in it. Right. And I think that that's like a really common misconception. Now it's starting to shift with the whole like fit executive type of role. But high performance isn't just about making a bunch of money at the expense of those things. It's about creating this well-oiled machine that does all of the above, whether you're sales, whether you're whatever. That's why we include the life stuff too. quantify all of it. I'll get off the soapbox now, but no, this is, so this is gold. This is gold. And, and for anybody listening today, before we wrap up, 
because because Mike just dropped the dimes that our audience needs to pick up and take action here, whether it's enabling your process better or enabling your efforts, your messaging, your mission. It's about life. It's changing that mentality. It's executing against it. So if for anybody who is even in the automotive space, who's looking to enable their sales performance and their team, where can they find you, Mike? What's the best way to reach out um, and, and get some of this, some of this, uh, this stuff, uh, the stuff done. And ultimately I, I know I've, I've followed you for many, many years. Um, but I think you are the most humble. And I, I just have to say, thank you again so much for, for coming today. Um, because you really, you really speak from the heart, man. Thank you. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. Honestly, dude, the best place, if people want more content, they resonate for what we're talking about here. The best place is the podcast, the results engine podcast on all major platforms. Um, but if they have questions, want to slide in the dms like instagram is the number one platform that we're building that's where i spend the most time uh we answer all of our dms if it's not me it'll be someone on my team and um if if people have questions that my team can't answer they get funneled up to me anyway so um, any questions comments concerns you want to challenge anything we talked about feel free to slide in there it's just at mike sesniak you probably have to link that up with all the polish z's we have going on but um feel free to, to ask away and would love to support however I can. Love it. Well, again, everybody who listened in today, this is Mike Sesniak. He is the best in the industry for high performance consulting and coaching. Again, hit him up on the, the results engine. Uh, this is another episode of Designing Digital Excellence with Vasily Lambos. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next episode. Thank you again.